At the intersection of ideas and action, this is Longitude Soundbites, where we bring innovative insights from around the world directly to you. My name is Chinenye Ogwejofo, a Longitude Fellow from Tilburg University. Welcome to our Longitudes of Imagination series, where we're exploring the roles of individuals, technologies, and research that is helping advance understanding of our oceans. In today's episode, we are featuring highlights from a conversation I led with Mr. Errol Campbell, the remotely operated vehicles manager at Schmidt Ocean Institute, which is a philanthropic foundation that is enabling scientific expeditions on their research vessel at no cost to the world's scientists. As part of the UN's Ocean Science Decade, they are also contributing to a worldwide effort in mapping the entire seabed by 2030. As a global law student, I was interested to hear about the amount of work it takes to map the ocean floor and what kind of tasks you'd have to accomplish to fulfill that goal. I have been with Smith Ocean Institute for just over four years now. I'm in my fifth, fifth year with them. After many years in uh, other fields as an ROV manager, ROV pilot, technician, supervisor, superintendent, offshore manager, operations manager, etc. My previous time was spent either in the military or in the oil industry. So it was split, it was roughly about 18 years in the military, 18 years in the oil industry, and latterly, in my fifth year in science and research with with Smith Ocean Institute. That's fascinating. Regarding Smith Ocean Institute, would you mind explaining what Smith Ocean Institute is and what an ROV manager's job is? Okay. Well, Smith Ocean Institute is a philanthropic foundation, a marine science and research institute where we enable all the world's scientists to study what they want to study throughout the world's oceans. It was founded and funded by Eric and Wendy Smith, where we purchased a, they purchased a vessel called the RV Falcor. And latterly, we have just purchased another vessel, which is named the Falcor 2. And currently, the Falcor original, as we like to call it, is both vessels are in Vigo, Spain. Uh, the new vessel was a sort of R&M um, um, oil and gas subsea construction vessel currently in a shipyard in Vigo to be outfitted to become a science and research vessel and the other vessel the Falcor just finished all its um, science and we brought it over to, Fal- uh, to Vigo to go alongside Falcor 2 to cross deck and transition all, all the equipment that we are taking from the original vessel onto the new vessel. Uh, so that's that's what the vessels are doing at the moment. Um, we solicit proposals from the world's leading scientists and we typically get about 300 a year. We have an executive committee whittle these proposals down to around about maybe 12-ish that we will decide to support for that coming year. That is based on quite a few different things. It's based on geographical location. We'll typically pick an area that we're going to operate for that calendar year. Uh, Obviously, it makes sense if, if, for example, the last couple of years we've been circumnavigating Australia. So the the bulk of our scientists 
came from the Australia, uh, Southeast Asia, Australia area. And the focuses we had identified for that the last couple of years was uh, plastics, tsunami hazards, and coral, uh, coral reefs, uh, coral preservation, etc. So, so again, depending on the geographical location and preferred field of study for that period, it will determine on what scientists we support. Once we decide who we're going to support, we'll typically allocate them time. So just for ease, say we pick 12 different science groups, then we would allocate a time slot for each group of scientists. To study like, it. I.e. 12 months a year, one will mm-hmm. join in January and conduct science, typically for a month, uh, and then we'll take them back in and bring on the next group and take them out. Also, we also help provide whatever platforms they need for to conduct their science our vessel and depend on what they're studying. If they need the ROV, if they want the ROV, if they want all our science sensors, if they want to do mapping, if they want to take whatever kind of samples, we plan ahead of time and we prepare accordingly uh, to to accommodate the the relevant science group. We have two ROVs. We have um, ROV Sebastian, which is a big work-class ROV, uh, typically the size of of a big SUV. Uh, has um, robotic arms and sensors and the ability to to take samples, whatever the samples may be. They may be rock samples, sediment samples, it could be gas, water, whatever samples. Uh, And obviously we film everything as well in in 4K video and and live stream most of our dives on YouTube and Facebook. Yes, I watched some of your YouTube videos. This was very fascinating, honestly. Yeah, it is really good. And one of our is to attract a larger audience and pass on our knowledge. And and that is the the key driver of the big deliverable from the science community is that everything they do find has to be shared, has to be shared and uh, accessible. So that's one of the caveats to us supporting scientists is, okay, we'll take you to where you want to go, we'll enable you to do what you want to do, but you've got to share what you find. Mm. I recently read an article that said that within the US specifically, since that where is that is where SOI is uh, based, uh, people assume because scientists who study um, ocean mapping are doing this based off of uh, taxpayers' money that all the information has to be shared. Would you say that this is the situation all around the world? Because um, as far as I'm aware, as of 2017, that's when ocean mapping became more of a phenomenon worldwide. So would you say that it's the case that around the world they do tend to share the data that they get when mapping the ocean floors? Yes, I I would certainly. Obviously, there's been there's certain types of mapping or whatever done for self-interest, you know, in the commercial world or whatever. But I think the push for Seabed 2030 is is bringing everyone together to share their data. So I can't say for certain who pays for the, the data acquisition but I think the trend now in the objective of this is for everyone to share their share their data. Hmm. Honestly, I find it very interesting. There's many reasons you map the ocean floor, you know, so obviously it's great to map it to know what we've got. It helps, gives us the knowledge of what's where and uh, help our studies of the world's ocean, whether that be for whatever reason you're studying it. I suppose the most exciting thing from an ROV perspective is 
we can identify areas of interest because there's so many areas depends on your perspective on it, right? But from a, it makes us so much more efficient from a, a scientific perspective. If the area has been mapped, for example, when it identifies hydrothermal vents or whatever, whale falls or whatever scientific, whatever it identifies, we can target dive with ROVs much more efficiently. We can go straight to where we want to dive and dive it means the ROV is not looking for something to dive on. You're not wasting days and days of ROV time, vessel time, or whatever, trying to find what you want to study. You, you know, if the seabed's been mapped, for, for example, then you know exactly where you want to go. So, so you enjoy I, having that certainty of knowing where your ROV is going. Yeah, and it just makes everything so much more efficient and everything, you know, because you've taken a team of scientists offshore. The last thing you want to do is waste days and days looking for something. You really, they want to be getting samples 24-7 if possible. Understandable. So Uh, I would say, I'd say the biggest highlight for me would be identifying targets of interest, you know. Speaking of uh, your ROV management, as a remotely operated vehicle uh, manager, what would you say is the hardest part of your job? Um, people, probably. Um, <laughs> of course. <laughs> well, there's, there's several things. We're quite fortunate in this situation with SOI because I've got a very long experience background and a lot of contacts in, in the ROV industry globally. I'm from Scotland, I've lived in America, I've lived in Singapore, I've operated globally for many years, so I have a really good network, so that that helps. But keeping good people and the pandemic impact has been a big challenge for us. Our ROV Sebastian goes to four and a half thousand metres deep. So if you're put uh, high voltage and electronics and hydraulics and everything, four and a half thousand metres below the ocean, it's always challenging as well, you know. So the, it varies really, making sure you've got good, competent uh, people um, and then dealing with all the technical challenges, dealing with the scientific challenges. There's nothing really bad, but there's lots of different challenges, you know. There's nothing that I dread and nothing that we can't, overcome or whatever but you know there's different challenges different times sometimes weather's a challenge you know anything well as they say teamwork makes the dream work and you yeah, should you know. put that to practice yeah no, absolutely if you listen to all our scientists we do end the trip briefs from all our science groups and when you hear them that's one of the biggest things they say about soi and the, the falcor the uh, original, that how good it was and how accommodating it was and how much of a team spirit there is. Everybody helps, you know. It's, if something breaks, every department will help to fix it, you know, whether that's the ROV te- technicians, whether we have to involve the engineers, the marine technicians, and, and so you're right about the teamwork. I really appreciate it because um, as technology keeps evolving and as uh, we're moving on in centuries, uh, it seems that people keep relying more on machinery as compared to the human beings who can fix said machinery in the event that something goes wrong. So it is nice to see uh, an initiative that focuses more on the core teamwork that helps make the machines run in the first place. Now, in regards to uh, how creative you can be on the job, I understand with uh, being an ROV manager and working with the different types of scientists that you have and the proposals that they bring in at the same time, is there any room for creativity in your research process or in your collection process as well? 
Yeah, always. But for most of the science we do, it uh, can be repetitive. Uh, some you've done before, whether it be um, using gas tights or majors or, or Niskin bottles for water samplers or rock boxes, uh, core samplers, whatever. It, that it's, it can be repetitive, you, you know what I mean? But we're always making things for the scientists and the scientists are always bringing new pieces of kit to integrate onto our ROV and there's always room to make things better it's, a, it's just a never evolving process you know if you bring something to put on the ROV tomorrow and my team can look at that and say it would be better if we did this or if we did that or whatever then we're always working together to enable scientists to, to do what they need to do and do it more efficiently and Hmm. So there's always some sort of room for creativity with the different with the different minds that come together to make this project a success. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Well, that's I, always nice to hear. Yeah, again, typically you're well prepared ahead of time because when we do this process of um, cruise planning, then we know we have cruise calls like six months out, three months out, a month out. You know, so we're really addressing all your questions in the the months preceding up to your cruise with 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 a goal of being totally prepared. Although it does happen on the job, it always will. We try to be as best prepared as possible. Sometimes we'll test things before the cruise or we've got engineers take the drawings or whatever we're trying to integrate and we'll have planned the integration onto the ROV ahead of time so we're not trying to figure it out and waste your time when you arrive. Hmm. Uh, with that in mind, what would you say exactly is, or if there is, a sort of formula to get the results that you intend to get is there, as you said, you have uh, routine checks six months before the cruise, six months before the research itself is done. But uh, for there to be room for creativity and imagination in uh, garnering of your results, is there any formula to it? Do you say uh, one person uh, checks whether the ROVs are working, another person checks whether all the scientists are lined up, etc., and they assess whether the scientists have any creative ideas? Is there some sort of formula for it? There's a process, a formula. A formula. I'm not so sure. Uh, how, <laughs> but a process instead of a you formula. Know, there's, there's, yes. yeah, there's processes and procedures we have in place for for everything. You know, yeah, everybody's working on on it. You know, we look at science proposal, in, and once we've got all that information, then many teams are working on it. The outreach media teams and that are all working on it on how we're going to. Uh, live stream these the rov team have looked at it and planning on integration sensors or whatever the mts the marine department are looking at what their deliverables are from a mapping perspective or or uh, a sample perspective right up to the chief officer and the captain of the vessel they're involved in it they know where they need to go what they need to do are we transiting from a to b are we mapping this you know what i mean so yes it's a collective. Uh, it's a collective effort for sure. You know, right, right from our executive director down to the the people on the vessel. Everybody's involved. Whether it's the chefs know that they need to cook for X amount of people. <laughs> to, to, you know, everybody's involved. I think it's very innovative. Uh, with innovation in mind, uh, what would you say 
or foresee the future being for uh, those who plan to map ocean floors or those within your field of work, uh, whether it be for Schmidt Ocean Institution or any other group that seeks to map the ocean floor, perhaps so as to reach the 2030 goal specifically? Yeah, that's a good, it's a good question. And I think everybody that can needs to get involved in it. If you're mapping from one vessel, you're only mapping where you're going, right? You can't do anything else, right? You're mapping where you're where you're going. There is other options, whether you're putting ASVs out and AUVs and things like that. It could be expanding your footprint. You know, they could be sent out on autonomous missions to map X areas or whatever and then rejoin you further on. So it's about maximizing potential i think has to be the way forward for everybody you know it's obviously it's different for different organizations but i think from our organization i think we will expand our remote footprint over the coming years and enhance our ability to do to map the seabed by more assets such as asvs auvs and things like that Mm, it's my understanding that mapping the ocean floors is a very expensive uh, endeavor to par- to take on for any institution. Uh, it does seem like that would be a lot of work for anyone in the future, no matter what it is. Yeah, uh, and, but it's like everything, communication and collaboration going to make it better. I think the commercial world needs to get more involved as well. For example, you have millions of vessels going all over the world every minute every day the more we can get involved the more we can get mapping the quicker we can attain our goals right to to map the the seabed by 2030 again there's areas that are more accessible than others you know like for example can we involve the commercial industry that are on all these shipping routes with whatever kind of vessels uh, can can we get their buy-in to this how do we get their buy-in to it? because obviously they're commercially driven and they they want to get from a to b as quickly as possible uh from a commercial perspective but so i i don't have the answers on how we can fully engage the commercial world and then the other challenges is the the more remote areas that people don't typically go and map these areas, right? There's a huge cost involved, time. You've got to have the assets to do it. So I think all all of the like-minded institutions need to collaborate openly. For example, there's no point in you going to the same place as me. So if we talk and I say, I'm going here, and you can say, okay, well, I'll go there, you know, and we'll share. It makes the work faster, division yeah. of labor. Yeah, so... With your 18 plus years of experience, was there any set person or were there a set of people that helped you get to where you are today with your background, having gone to college uh, and to where you are now? Were there a set of people that sort of uh, guided you along the path that you took? Yeah, definitely. Um, that's, That's like any work, any focus in life area, study or whatever, you're always going to be working with people uh, and learning from them. What we called back in the day was like journeymen or tradesmen or whatever that would take care of you for a certain period of time during your mentoring process, you you know, and and then you move on and you actually progress and become one of these mentors for the more more junior people, you know. So yeah, that happened every where it happened in the military, it happened in the, the oil industry and happened in science and research. It's a case of 
you go in, you're you're employed for this at the level and the skill sets that you have, and and then you progress slowly but surely. Yes. It's amazing to know that there are people out there who take it upon themselves to map the great ocean floor. One crucial thing that stuck with me from talking to Mr. Campbell is that there's always room for change. And if not, it just means you're happy with your finished product. Specifically when it comes to mapping the ocean floor, you know that there's so much that needs to be done, so much that needs to be accomplished. And at the end of the day, sometimes your best really is all that you can do which was really eye-opening to hear, especially with a task as big as mapping the ocean floor. I hope that whoever hears this and whoever gets to hear this interview has an eye-opening experience just as I did and remembers that teamwork makes the dream work, that working together can bring us much further than we ever thought we could. We hope you enjoyed today's segment. Please feel free to share your thoughts over social media and visit Longitude's site for the episode transcript. Join us next time for more unique insights on Longitude's soundbites. <laughs>